Welcome into the Email Online Podcast. Mason Both, Alec Bussey here with you from Email Online and Rivals as we cover K-State every single day for you. Lots of stuff up there right now, mainly pertaining to basketball. The Wildcats, for the time being, uh, still inside the top 15. That'll probably change uh, later today. We're recording this Monday morning. That'll probably change when the new poll comes out. I imagine K-State drops to 16 or 17 would be my guess, um, just based off of the week they had last week week they do end up beating tcu by 21 but they also go on the road to lose to texas tech and uh, they become just the second team to lose to texas tech in the big 12 all season so a lot to kind of sort through right there and i mean we'll, we'll dive right into it k-state loses 71 to 63 to texas tech and it, it's the kind of game where teams that are are league title contenders or teams that are in the the upper tier of college basketball even when they play their their worst game that they can, but the other team lets them hang around, they typically find a way to get the job done, get over the hump, and win the game. That was just not the case for K-State. And if you can go back and look at what the other teams in the league have done, um, Texas plays there either tonight or tomorrow, um, but Texas is in Lubbock this evening, uh, I think. They are. So they played them yet. But, yeah, it's a big one, they get. But KU and Baylor have both already gone – to Lubbock, and neither of them played particularly well. They were single-digit games. Kansas only ended up winning by a bucket. Um, so neither of those teams played their best when they were in Lubbock, but they found ways to, to win the game. K-State, however, they weren't able to. Iowa State, similar circumstance. Iowa State blew a 23-point second-half lead when they were down there, and what we see now are, are those two teams have fallen two games back of first place in the Big 12, and despite some of the uh, early opportunities that were there, uh, for them to to maybe be in this Big 12 title race, they've kind of fallen out of it. And I, I think that's the the main takeaway from from Saturday. K-State's still a good basketball team. There's still a lot of good that, that they're going to have happen this season. But the takeaway now is, like, they were they were a pretender in this race for the Big 12 title. And uh, it, it, it sucks when you get this late into the season, and this is when you have to find out. It would maybe be a whole lot easier if you were Oklahoma State, for example, who all of a sudden has turned it on as of late, and now Oklahoma State's tied with K-State and Iowa State for fourth, and they're two games out of the league. I bet if you talk to Oklahoma State fans right now, they're having the conversation about, hey, we're kind of in this thing, whereas if you're in Ames or Manhattan, the uh, conversation is much more along the lines of, wow, we, we really let an opportunity slip. Yeah, and I think it's frustrating when you think about the way that K-State kind of lost this game, obviously falling 71-63. to 63. I don't think really is indicative of how close the game was for a majority of the second half. It just felt like K-State couldn't really get it within one possession um, yeah. or take the lead when they did get it within one possession um, late in the second half. Obviously, um, we can hit on the turnovers, that being um, a huge issue, um, something that really kind of dates back to early in the season being an issue, and then they mm -hmm. kind of fixed it. But now you're in Big 12 play, and again, it's starting to rear its ugly head. But to turn the ball over as many times as Kansas State did, 23 times, um, and that leading to uh, – 26 points off turnovers, I believe, for Texas Tech, mm -hmm. or 28 points off turnovers from Texas Tech. I mean, there you go. I mean, that's the difference of the game. Jerome Tang said it pretty point-blank period um, after the game. And it continues to be some of your best players who are turning the ball over at a really high rate. Marquise Noel turns it over seven times. Keontae Johnson turns it over five times. Um, your backup point guard, Desi Sills, turns it over four times. Like, those are players that you can't have turn the ball over at that rate. And I understand that those players have such a high usage rate that they're going to turn the ball over um, at a greater rate than someone like Cam Carter or um, mm -hmm. someone like 
David Gasson or maybe even throw Naquan Tomlin into this equation, but he had three turnovers as well on Saturday. So you put all these things together and it's really Kansas State, I think kind of maybe showing some of the the cracks that they had um, in terms of high level, top of the line players um, in Big 12 play. And I know that Texas Tech doesn't have those things, but think about the gap between Kansas State's maybe top four or five compared to Texas Tech's Texas Tech's top four or five. Maybe, you know, it's not as big as Texas's might be when they go to Lubbock um, on Monday night. And, you know, teams, I think, are starting to find ways to effectively defend against Marquise Noel. I I know I've said this on the pod in the past. Um, I don't think it's really that difficult to defend him. When you have a talented um, guard defensively like Texas Tech does with a guy like um, Jalen Tyson or Davian Harmon, like you just kind of stick that person on – Marquise Noel and say, Hey, don't let him do his thing. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have an elite guard, then you put a wing on him and Marquise is going to struggle with that size disadvantage that he's going to have. And um, five film faults is out. I believe this morning on the Mm -hmm. website, and I highlighted a few of his turnovers and they're simply just trying to make dumb plays, Um, leaving his feet in the air and not knowing where he's going to go with the basketball, Um, trying to make a cross court pass against a team that, Defense is designed to not let you get the ball to the weak side of the court. Um, those are the type of mistakes that Marquise Noel is making right now for K-State um, at point guard. And those are the type of mistakes that, quite frankly, he shouldn't be making against a defense that is the exact exact same schematically um, as K-State. It's the no-middle defense. Yeah, well, look, there you, you're talking about the usage rate. And, like, that. you know, for guys when it's higher, like, okay, but – to offset some of the the stuff that comes with, hey, you're going to have the ball in your hands a lot. So, yeah, you will have more turnovers than other guys. You need to actually be efficient in what you're doing, and that's what the that's the real issue for K-State the last two, three weeks, is that Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel just haven't been efficient for them. They, they combined to go 8 of 30 in the game this weekend in Lubbock. That's tw- that's under 27% shooting uh, for, for those two guys to get. I, I used my calculator before I, I said that. because oh, I was, say that. We're well, I can't do that math. math. I'm not, I'm not going mm-hmm. to let people know that. So you have that, and, and, and so that's tough. Noel at least had 18 points, and he had some buckets, and he was making his free throws, so you get some help from that. The issue becomes Noel is one of 10 from three, so at, at some the point – The only one he like, made was the first one of the game. Yeah, that they, that they called the two initially. Um, somehow that was blatantly a three-pointer I something needs to happen and I, I wrote about this after the game against Texas where you know there's this fine line between uh playing like conservatively and confidently and carelessly and I I think Marquise Noel has completely gone to the side of of well I won't say completely but he's he's much more closer to careless than he is confident right now um, or maybe his confidence is leading to carelessness, and that, that goes to the passes that you're talking about, some of the shots, because I, I'm never a guy that's going to tell a shooter to quit shooting the basketball when you're open, but Marquise Noel needs to be a little bit smarter right now, and he's going to get a lot of the fault for what took place on Saturday because people will see that he went one of ten from three. He turned the ball over seven times. The more difficult part of this equation for K-State is the fact that Keontae Johnson really didn't give him much on Saturday. He hit one big three for him, but he turns the ball over five times again. That's not good. And in addition to that, he was the guy that got the ball on the block multiple times with a chance to give K-State their first lead when they were down one. 
He missed uh, he missed the layup at the the bucket it was slightly contested, but you would have expected him to finish that. And then he had the other one that he just couldn't handle the pass down low, and it got away from him. Um, so everybody is culpable in what took place on Saturday for K State, and that's not just you know those two stars, but you kind of carry the weight there if you're those guys. It's not just the coaching staff because again, like you have what you have to work with, and and this team needs to be a little bit better. The depth failed K-State on Saturday. I thought it was something that was starting to improve, but Cam Carter didn't give you anything. He doesn't score while he's out there in almost 30 minutes of play. I didn't think his defense was really good. I think he's the guy that got burnt a couple of times on those dagger threes that Texas Tech hit. And Tech didn't shoot it well from three. They were 28%. But what they were able to do was they had a high enough volume and they were able to hit some crucial ones because K-State's defense out there on the perimeter was not very good. They just too many open looks, and that's what led to a couple of the key threes for Tech that helped them extend the lead. So that was really bad. And when you don't have anybody else stepping up to to kind of help out, Desi Sills gave you a little bit of a punch. Uh, Naquan Tomlin, I thought there were some steps in the right direction for Tomlin's game and helping kind of take things over and make some plays. The problem is he couldn't stay on the floor. He had he only played 18 minutes because he fouled out of the game. So. It's just it's 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 a weird game. K State's got to flush it, and you know this season isn't a lost cause, and it's people are upset right now. But they're they're upset in the way that people should be for a team that is a good basketball team when they beat themselves. Like Texas Tech did not win that game on Saturday. K State lost that game on Saturday. So I mean, Tech gets the Tech gets the win. Credit to them for fighting. But K State is the sole reason why. Texas Tech got that win. You turn the ball over that many times, you shoot that poorly, uh, and you fail to make critical plays, which credit to Tech they did do at the end, um, you're going to lose the game. And, and so that's tough for K-State. And I think this team right now is, is having to figure out um, some, some different things about how they're going to move forward because at this stage, like the turnover thing, it's not just a problem. It's, it's a part of the game that K-State's going to have to live with now because I don't know that you're going to correct it. Um, it, it's happened so many times over the last however many weeks. And now that you're not shooting well on top of it, um, you can't mask some of those turnovers. I mean, they're, they're not scoring like they did to start Big 12 play. Um, that's obvious based off of what took place against Tech on Saturday. So, I mean, I, I don't want to be so doom and gloom about everything right now, but there's not a single positive you can take away from what happened in Lubbock on Saturday. And that just means that this team's going to have to come out and play their butts off on Tuesday in Norman because you can't go on the road and lose to the last place team in the Big 12 again. Um, that would be pretty detrimental. And, and and I'll say this to to tie this back in, and you know, let's let's do the whole uh, I don't know what the concept is that's that's PG version, but the the poop sandwich, you know, where you tell somebody something good, but then you cram a bunch of bad, bad stuff in between, and then you say something good at the end. Here's, here's how we end this thing, at least for me, on what happened Saturday. The reason why a lot, and I wrote about this, the reason why this hurts so much for K-State and why people are so upset right now is because Jerome Tang and this team did such a good job to raise the level of expectations for them to a much higher level than what they ever should have been based off the circumstances where this team had three losing seasons in a row, and if you go back and look historically, it's probably the worst three-season stretch in K-State basketball history. Like it, Everything would suggest that there had not been a stretch of K-State basketball that was that bad, that low of a level. Brand-new coaching staff, only two guys from last year's team returned. 
a lot of things that, that would lead you to believe that this team wasn't going to be good. That's why they were picked to finish dead last in the Big 12. And here they are. They're going to be a tournament team. They've been competitive in the toughest league in America. They've won some big games. They've beaten every team in this league uh, at, at this point, except for Iowa State uh, and Oklahoma, who they haven't played yet. So they've done a lot of good things. But the reason why losing to Tech sucks and why people are upset about it is because this team's expectations had been elevated so much. And I wasn't trying to use the word elevate uh, just to, to make a point here, but that's a credit to what Jerome Tang has done, how successful he has been. And I, I don't want, like, I, I know that there was some, some chatter and everything uh, about negativity towards the team and whatever else. Fans are going to be like that when things aren't going well. And also, there wasn't nobody should have positive words after what K State did on Saturday. There's nothing to say that was good from that game. And so there's no reason to sugarcoat it. Like these are all these are all grown men, the coaches, the players. I mean, I get it. We're we're supposed to act like college students or kids. I was an 18-year-old college student. I didn't feel like a kid. I handled myself like a man. Um, so I can handle the truth. And they didn't play well on Saturday. But people are just temporarily upset in the moment of that game because of the elevation of expectations and how successful Jerome Tang and every player on this team has been this year. And now moving forward, I can guarantee you every single person that was, was pissed off and disappointed on Saturday night, they're going to have their butts on their couch eight o'clock on Tuesday night to watch K-State play Oklahoma. And I can guarantee you that they're going to be in, in the crowd at Bramlage for the game against Iowa State on Saturday. So don't, don't mistake temporary frustration with a terrible performance for oh this this crowd and fan base is being nasty towards us or they're turning on us or you know we've done a lot of good this year that's not what that is that's just that's what fan bases do when you underperform in a game that expectations are you should go down there and win and it would again it would have been a totally different deal i said this on friday if tech won the game and they shot like 45% from 3 and they just had that magic level game as bruce weber would say and nobody was going to beat them that night because that happens even with bad teams, then you can stomach that a little bit more. But in a game where K-State turns it over 23 times and Tech scores 28 points off of turnovers, that doubles what K-State did on points off turnovers, that's what the killer is, and that ultimately is why people are frustrated. And, and people have the right to be frustrated and deserve to be after Saturday, but now it's Monday, flush it, and get more focused on what's going to take place tomorrow night in Norman against Oklahoma. Take care of your business and see how the rest of the year plays out in the Big 12. Yeah, and to kind of go back to just this two-game stretch that I think K-State was on here, going to Texas Tech and going to Oklahoma, I know a lot of fans probably maybe circled those two games and felt like there were two wins for K-State on the on the schedule. Um, I didn't necessarily do that. I actually kind of thought that they would drop one of these two games just because, you know, the Big 12 is really good, and obviously I don't think those two teams are very good teams. I don't think they're – really close to the NCAA tournament, even though Oklahoma somehow beat the number one, who is going to be the number one team in the country, Alabama, by 30 points in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Still don't know how that happened. Um, I actually felt that K-State was probably going to lose one of these two games. Um, and now it's important to make sure that one doesn't turn into two. Um, come Tuesday night when you go to Lloyd Noble Center and Norman, like that's just a game that you can't lose. But it's also tough um, when you kind of look at it from Oklahoma's perspective because, you know, it's rare to see college basketball teams lose – five, six, seven games in a row. 
And we're looking at an Oklahoma team right now that's lost four games in a row. Um, it's an Oklahoma team that is only projected to lose by about one and one and a half points. Um, if you're looking at that kind of projection, which is similar, I think, to what what the Texas Tech game was at. Uh, so it's it's going to be another close game. But I will say there's aspects of the Oklahoma game that are favorable to K-State. Like Oklahoma doesn't turn their opponents over a ton, um, speaking from a defensive perspective. They're in the 330s um, in defensive turnover rate. Um, they only turn their opponents over 15% of the time. And for a K-State team that has turned it over at least 27% of their possessions in two of the last three games, um, 27% against Texas and 29.3% against Texas Tech, that's certainly something that should make you feel a little bit better about your chances at maintaining possession and not giving your op- your opponent um, opportunities to score points off turnovers and um, get into the fast break and transition for points at the rim um, at the other end. But at the same time, too, like it's a good opportunity for, I think, K-State to kind of show some toughness, show some reality of who this team is on the inside because they've lost three of four. They've lost four of their last six um, overall, and they've certainly hit a slide like you really hit on there. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's time for K-State to kind of be able to right the ship I guess you could say, and you kind of look at what the rest of their schedule is. It's a good opportunity to kind of maybe get some positive momentum before heading into what I think is a really tough three-game stretch um, to kind of end your season playing Iowa State at Bramlage, playing Baylor at Bramlage, playing on the road against Oklahoma State. Um, Those are tough. That's a really tough three-game stretch um, for a lot of teams, and I think, like you said a lot earlier with Oklahoma State, like, they have, they've built a lot of positive momentum. That That's an Oklahoma State team that um, last week, week and a half ago, when we were doing our Big 12 rankings, I don't think you were high on. I was buying stock in them at that point. They've won um, four or five in a row. They play Kansas tonight um, at Oklahoma State. and oh, They're going to win that game. I mean, well, You give them one every year against Kansas, from what I understand. Yeah, well, no, them, right? I don't give them one. Bill Self gives them one. Bill Self, uh, that dude... I'm telling you, tomorrow night, we'll be at halftime of the game we're at, K-State and Oklahoma. And then just on the, you know, if you head east in the state of Oklahoma and you get to Stillwater and you look at the the scoreboard in Gallagher-Iba, it's going to read Oklahoma State like 35, Kansas 24. And you're wondering what the hell's going on. And I'm just going to tell you, that's Bill Self giving a game to his Cowboys. He's, He's still got some Oklahoma State Cowboy in him. And he wants them to get a game every year. So yeah, I'm giving Oklahoma well, I mean, huge State for Oklahoma State too. I mean, it's a team that I think is in the tournament um, pretty comfortably. Oh right yeah, now. yeah. Oklahoma State's Oklahoma but State's I, in, that, in now. Like I think Oklahoma but I will State. Say that I, see, I think they're in right now. But go look at the rest of their. I mean, schedule. they can't collapse, but they're. But, they're and I think be the collapse in. could be very well in the in the. I mean, it's not out of the question. They've they've got they've got uh, of their six games left. They've got four of them against ranked opponents: Kansas, uh, KU, TCU, K State, and Baylor. Now, fortunately, three of those four are at home um but yes like i i wouldn't necessarily be surprised if if things went south but they're playing better right now Uh, and they've taken advantage of of an easier stretch for them um they played tcu that was undermanned that they beat iowa state they straight up beat iowa state this weekend and that was that was impressive to me that they could go on the road they're the first team to win in hilton coliseum this year so that's impressive um so yeah they they're they're in a good spot they've ripped off five straight wins four in the league um, they won six of their last seven in the Big 12. Uh, the only loss came to Texas uh, on the road. So they're, they're impressive. They swept Iowa State this year, and uh, they'll be looking for revenge in a lot of these games coming up now. So I, I, I've never been a believer in Mike Boynton. I just I don't think that he's a great in-game coach. 
And I think that their style of basketball is the reason why they've never been able to get over the hump and actually do some good things under him at O-State, aside from the year when Cade Cunningham's brother was on the staff, so they they got their token NCAA tournament bid um, because of him. But I, I, I think that they are a good basketball team, and that's going to be a tricky one. That uh, comes the the last weekend in February that K State goes to Stillwater. So I'm Oklahoma State's a good basketball team. They're competitive, and all these teams are. Like I, I don't, I didn't go into OU and Tech and circling those as given wins for K State, but they are games that you should win if you're a team of K State stature right now, based on how they've played this year. And uh, they didn't get it done against Tech, and that's why it's so important for them to do it against Oklahoma. Because if not, like there are still a lot of tricky games left on the schedule. And, and things can really look different for the, the trajectory of K-State season. Like, they're safely in the NCAA tournament now. They're going to be there regardless of what happens the rest of the way. Yeah. But keep the seating high and keep the momentum well, going at a high pace because if not, then it's going to have a whole different tune um, come, the, come the end of the season. Well, and I'll, if we can turn this into a bracket conversation here shortly because I think that's where a lot mm-hmm. of people kind of are looking at this point in the year as we get to – um, the middle of February with Valentine's Day being tomorrow. Happy Valentine's Day. Send Mason and I all your love um, because we're not spending it with any loved ones except each other. Um, eh, I don't know. We haven't known each other that long. I wouldn't be thrown around the L word yet. Okay. Uh, if you look at like bracket matrix right now, it still has Kansas State on the three line along with Baylor, Virginia, um, and Xavier. Um, I actually really like the Xavier team. They're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but side point, I think Kansas State, um, someone texted me after they lost to Texas Tech on Saturday and said, you know who this Kansas state team reminds me of not necessarily in terms of maybe their talent profile or um, those things. He said, they remind me a little bit of last year's Auburn team team that he was really high on for a while um, in the season really liked to come mid late January he was like you know what that's like my team um we always joke about like we teams teams that we adopt teams that we really enjoy watching um in the college basketball season they change every year last year Arizona was one of mine um this year USC's become one of mine uh but he really liked watching this K-State team because they're they were a lot of fun to watch for Mm -hmm. a whole long time this season when they weren't turning it over at such a high rate yeah I mean he said you know this this is kind of reminding me a little bit of last year's Auburn team where they peaked maybe a little bit too early, where they peaked in January, where you know you kind of want to be peaking now. You want to be peaking at the end of February, going into your conference tournament um, in early March, and obviously heading into the NCAA tournament. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing with teams like Baylor, Mason. I mean, you look at this Baylor team, and it's a team that has played really, really well for a really long time. Uh, they obviously got a really good win. On Saturday um, at TCU, were able to fight off a TCU run um, in the second half, and they were able to fight it off even more in the last couple of minutes. But yeah. it's a TC, it's a Baylor team. I think that if you really look at it, like they're two possessions away from being a one-loss Big Twelve team. Um, and I know a lot of people are kind of looking at this Baylor team and they think, okay, this is a team that I would bet to go the farthest in the NCAA tournament of the Big Twelve members. And I don't know if I'm there because I still don't know if I completely buy the defense, but Getting everyday John back is probably huge for their defensive effort, but um, their offense is elite. And you kind of look at some of the things that this Baylor team is doing, like they're getting a lot better. Um, where you look at kind of where K State's at right now, um, they've obviously, like we said, have lost three of four um, and faced a difficult stretch coming up here. Yeah, no, uh, K- I mean, K State's got to turn around and they, they can do it. Like 
this they're still a good basketball team. They they're still one of the better teams in the country based off what they've done. Um, because again, like in this stretch where we can, you know, be concerned about what's happening and, and freak out about things. What, what makes it more frustrating is in all of these games, it feels like they've had a chance to win. Honestly, the TCU game is the only one where they never had a chance to win that game from the get go. But even the Kansas game, Butler. they gave themselves a, well, yeah, I'm not counting Butler. I, who cares about the non-con when you have a successful non-con, nobody cares about your non-con because, it doesn't matter as long as you're playing well in conference play. But like in conference, people don't play, care about your non-con when you don't schedule great. Well, yes, that's true. It was a ho hum non-con for K State, so I'm only focused on Big Twelve play because that's all that matters. Once K State got through it all, but like TCU's the only game they had no chance from the get go. Like they just they they shot themselves out of it early. Uh, but against KU, they made a run there. They made a little bit of a push, and so against Iowa State, you can you can put it on them for losing that game. KU, it was turnovers that did it, that run at the, the end of the first half. Like, that set Kansas up. They played dead even in the second half. Now, part of that's because the teams didn't really play. They just shot free throws the second half of that game, uh, which was kind of boring. But then Texas, they, they had the lead. They couldn't hang on to it. And then Texas Tech, they were right there, and they couldn't do it. So, this team is still good. And their losses, they, they've piled up five of them now in conference play. And that's the frustrating part. But even in those – They've beaten themselves, but they're still playing, I think, well enough to compete. And that's why, like, when they play Iowa State or Baylor or Oklahoma State uh, over the next three games after Oklahoma on Tuesday, if they just cut down the turnovers a little bit, this team can still battle because their defense is playing at a pretty good level right now. I mean, outside of the Kansas game where KU had one of their better shooting nights of the season in the first half, um, K-State's defense is playing pretty solid right now. They, they were able to lock down Texas for most of that game, held them under 70 points. They held TCU under 70 points. Tech just barely gets over that number in their game. K-State is playing pretty solid basketball right now. The only thing that's missing in their game is, you know, the, the way that they're turning it over. So they've got a turnover issue. Um, and that's why, like, again, I I keep going back to the word frustrating because it is frustrating to see how they played against Tech and how they've lost some of these games. But what makes it frustrating is because you can still see that they're a good basketball team or a competitive basketball team with some really, really good teams in their league. They are just doing the things to beat themselves. And I guess at the end of the day, that's what separates good teams from great teams is the good teams can beat themselves. The great teams tend to avoid that. Um, but I still have hope for K-State, and, and nobody should be just completely beat up by, by the way things have played out. So we'll see. Like they, They'll have to come out. I would imagine they give a pretty inspired performance against Oklahoma. You're going to need, need to see something really good from Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. Feels like we've been saying that for a while now. Like You just need one of them to get back into their form. I think over like the last six games, um, their efficiency ratings are, are in the negative. Uh, whereas they were both in the positives early on and their numbers everywhere across the board were pretty, pretty good. So th- this is a, this is a significant time for K-State and we're going to, we're going to find out quite a bit tomorrow night in Norman because K-State, I, I don't need him, you know, tech, I said, just go out there, find a way to win the game tomorrow night. I think we need to see K-State go out there and comfortably control the game. They don't have to blow Oklahoma out. But if you can hold the seven-point lead most of the game, I know it's on the road, but nobody's going to be there for that game for Oklahoma. K-State should be able to to win that. Um, They need to take care of it pretty comfortably. 
Well, and if you look at some of Oklahoma's recent losses, 78 to 55 to Kansas on Saturday, even though that game was close for a while, um, they lost by 10 to Baylor, 82 to 72, lost 93 to 61 um, on the road at West Virginia, lost 71 to 61 um, against Oklahoma State. So, yeah. I mean, they're they're weird right now because if you go and look, like go all the way back to, um, I mean, really their entire season, they've gone through stretches where they've been really competitive. And then they'll have a game where, like, they just completely get dominated. And then they'll play another competitive game, and then they get blown out. Like, I mean, they started the year, um, their first four Big 12 games, or actually five, were decided by uh, four points or less. They lost by one to Texas, three to Iowa State. They won by five at Texas Tech in overtime. They lost the KU by four in Allen. They beat West Virginia by one, and then they – were beat by 16 to O State. They lost by a bucket to Baylor. They get blown out by 27 at TCU. Then they blow out Alabama in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, which is the weirdest outcome of the season. And then they blow the game against Oklahoma State. Uh, they Oklahoma State ends up winning it by 10. They lose by 32 at West Virginia. And then they're actually pretty competitive in that game against Baylor. It was only like the last five minutes that Baylor kind of pulled away. And then uh, neither team was great to start, and Kansas found it, and Oklahoma didn't. They get they get crushed on Saturday. So this team, I mean, you don't know what you're going to get. It's it's a Jekyll and Hyde type of team well, where they're not always going to win the game, but they can keep it pretty interesting. And they're very dependent on Grant Sherfield to have a quality game and Tanner Gross to give them good production as well. Yeah. And uh, that's why I think it's going to be really interesting to see what K State does to kind of slow down Grant Sherfield because. He's been one of their best players, and when he struggled in games this season, they have really struggled in games this year. Um, he's really dominant with his right hand. He doesn't have much of a left hand. Um, he likes to go right a ton, um, but if you get him going right, like he's he's tough to stop, especially going downhill. Yeah. He can pull up. He can finish um, off the bounce. Like he's he's a really talented player, and he's been one of the better guards in the Big Twelve. But I think people don't maybe talk about that often. And then obviously, you know what Tanner Groves gives you. Like um, you know, he's someone who's going to be really efficient around the rim. He's shooting about 72% on close twos this season. Um, he's not much of a shooter from farther out, um, only six of 20 on far twos. Um, and he's obviously not much of a three point threat either this season. Um, as you kind of look at things from that perspective, just going 18 of 60, but he will pull it. Um, and that's part mm-hmm. of the, that's part of the equation when defending against Tanner Groves, like he's not maybe going to kill you on the outside with his efficiency numbers, but he'll pull the trigger. Um, and that's, maybe as big of a concern too. So it's definitely a situation where this is a Oklahoma team that it could very well be dead. Like they very well could be dead. They very well could have quit and we may not see them win another game the rest yeah. of the season. Uh, yeah. But it's also an opportunity for Oklahoma. It's like I said, where, you know, they're kind of due for a win and you have to make sure if you're Kansas state that that win doesn't come against you because that would be, two really frustrating losses. Yeah. And what's kind of funny about this too, Mason, if you really look at it from like a tournament resume perspective, neither of the loss to, the, the, the loss to Texas Tech is going to be no worse than a quad two loss. Like Texas yeah. Tech is certain right on the right on the line of a quad one or quad two loss. Yeah. I don't know where Oklahoma's at in the net right now. I could pull it up, I guess. Um, but it, like just another example that it's not going to be that bad of a loss. And I think that that's kind can't of, believe really you don't good... know, can't believe you don't know the net rankings. I hate the net rankings. I know. you. <laughs> uh, know I don't like the net rankings. Yeah. As it stands right now, um, 
looking at uh, how it's going to work out for for K-State and the designations of these. Uh, so Texas Tech, for the time being, they are a quad one. That's a quad one game, that road game at Tech. That's a quad one loss. Oklahoma's uh, right o- in the line of it. Yeah, Oklahoma's 76th right now, which makes them a quad two game. Uh, if Oklahoma goes up inside the top 75, the road game in Norman will become a quad one game. So, yeah. Like really, K State to keep their resume in good condition, you just can't lose at home to Oklahoma uh, the way it stands. Because then you'll go unbeaten in quad three and quad four, and then in uh, quad one and two, like K State's going to end up with a pretty solid record there. They're seven and five in quad one games right now. The worst they can do in quad two, if they lose to Oklahoma, they'd be two and two there. So they're going to be in pretty solid position with the way it works out. But it's just a matter of. I, honestly, to me, it comes down to maybe maybe you see it this way, maybe you don't. But I, I view it as we know K-State can be better than this. And I know that K-State is better than this yeah. based off of how they play and how they've been able to compete and stay in games, even though that they've done horrible things with the turnovers and shooting to take themselves out of it. And so that's why I like the, these games are important down the stretch is to get back into that form. And similar to what you were talking about with Auburn is, you know, peaking too early. You know, it's okay to peak too early if – you're going to have like a second peak you start to ascend to later in the year. Yeah, and that it's time didn't do that. Yeah, it, well, yeah, and they had you know they had some some issues there. Um, it's time for K State to start that ascent again. Are you talking about Wendell? I'm talking about. I, I don't think those guys knew who their best player was. Yeah, that would um, be Wendell. That would be Wendell Green and Katie Johnson not knowing who the best player was. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but that team was a blast to watch. Those well, two guys and I don't know. I think you know. I think Walker Kessler had a little bit to do with that too, but. Well, Walker Kessler wasn't a huge offensive threat, but mostly no, it was but, Wendell Green and Katie Johnson not giving the ball to Jabari Smith. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I think you know. Can here's I ask, what cha- here's what changes real something? quick? Oh, yeah, hang on. One one thing about the schedule, like you're talking about Oklahoma being due for a win, it changes a lot of things. If K State can survive on Saturday on Tuesday and beat Oklahoma, and then this Saturday Oklahoma plays Texas, so if if Oklahoma's due for a win and Texas is due for a loss, it would seem uh, of some kind that would, you know, kind of set them back, like stave it off enough. So you're not the team that, Oh, you gets the win that they're due for. Like well, that was the thing. Texas, Texas the teams only have won two games in a row. If, if yeah, I know. But like, that's Allen, really that doesn't really count. That doesn't really count. That doesn't really count. You know, and, and the way the, the way the rest though. of the big 12 has worked out, like Iowa state, Kansas and Kansas state and Baylor have all gone through brutal stretches this year where they've lost, you know, three games in a row or, you know, three or four or whatever, it's time for Texas to have that stretch. Like, they're due for it. Texas is not that much better than everybody else in the league to avoid that, I, I wouldn't think. So we'll see how, how it ends up playing out and, and what goes down there. But important, like, K-State was able to do that earlier this year when they had that home game against Texas Tech coming off of the KU game where it was like, okay, Tech is Tech's lost all these games. There's no way Tech is this bad. They're due for one, and uh, fortunately enough, K-State was able to fight it off then, and it went long enough to where Tech didn't get it until Iowa State a couple weeks ago. But um, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where, where it goes from there, but you can ask your question now. So this goes back to um, the net and the quad system. and I don't know where you sit on it. Um, I'm generally not a fan of the net, personally. I get the quad system, and I like the idea of it. But I don't think a loss on the road at Texas Tech or a loss on the road at Oklahoma should be viewed as being like – sorry, my phone's ringing. Mm. 
Um, I don't think that those should be viewed as not bad losses. Like, I don't think Texas Tech and Oklahoma are bad teams. By I agree. But I agree Oklahoma with you. is 12 and 13 and 2 and 10 in the Big Ten. No, I, I totally agree for, with you. Big 12, excuse me. For, for like, the type of team good. that K-State is, for the type of team K-State is, those are bad losses. K-State, a team like K-State, if they want to be in the category of Baylor, Kansas, Iowa State, whatever, I go, though Iowa State lost to Tech 2 on the road, you shouldn't lose those games. And but that's I'm, why K-State is I'm in separating, this position. I'm separating K-State from, from the – like, in my opinion, like, losing on the road at Texas Tech is bad. Yes, it is. They're 13-12 overall, and they're 2-10. and 10. Like, you should kind of be dinged for that on your tournament resume. And I don't think the quad system allowed you to necessarily get dinged for losses that aren't well, good. I hate the phrase good losses. But, like, it's not a game that K-State should have lost. You're losing to a team that's outside of the field. That's not. I think make the, the point. Tournament. I think the point is, if you go and look, if in in the in speaking of K State, if your worst loss is on the road at Texas Tech, then that's probably a pretty good idea of what kind of team you have. Like well, B- Butler would be a worse loss, but yeah. Well, yes, but again, like the Butler game, whatever you know that that's not really. I'm not too worried about that one. It happened so long ago. K-State's obviously gotten even better from that point. Like, whatever. I don't think the non-conference, like I said, I I don't think it holds all that much bearing, uh, especially when, again, like K-State had a weak schedule. They beat all the really bad teams. They lost one game against uh, an average team and whatever else. But, like, if you go and look, um, there are other teams in the country that are going to end up with worse losses that are around the same category of K-State um based off of you know the quad system or even like what our eyes can tell us of oh this team's like flirting with 500 or whatever like we can go through and we can see that we can see how that ends up working out um with with a lot of these teams so yes it it makes sense like how that ends up working out um and i get what you're saying it is a bad loss for casey i'm not disagreeing with that but i think that's more so what the quad system is there for it's to highlight how successful you were against teams that or to be considered in an upper category or of a, of a higher status level. Um, because I don't think the quads, I don't think the net should be used on a game by game basis. That's why we don't put the net ranking next to teams. Uh, we don't put like, Oh, this is number 18 K state against uh, number 76 Oklahoma tomorrow. No, but what we can go back and do is look and say, okay, against in these games that are, you know, quantified as quad one, K-State is seven and five this season. That's not bad because then if you go and look at quad two, three, and four, they only end up with one loss uh, in in those categories. So I think that's what it's more so for. It's not for like this, this Bible, but it is, I mean, it's, it's what they, the NCAA has dubbed it. It's the NCAA evaluation tool. It helps them evaluate better. It shouldn't make all the decisions, although sometimes maybe it does. Um, but it at least is, it gives you something to reference and it it helps give an idea as good as we can to quantify a a thing that, um, same as like anybody that uses Kinpom or whatever else, even though the net is maybe a little bit more flawed than those, but even like Kinpom, um, Sagarin or Bart Torvik, like you can go and find your flaws with that as well. Um, and, and issues you can take. So I think you have to use all those. You have to be smart about it. And in terms of K state, like singularly, it's a bad loss for them. But as a whole, with the rest of college basketball, um, I, I don't think it's as bad of a loss as what some others in the same area and realm of K-State are ultimately going to end up with uh, on their resume this year. Yeah, no, I, I like what you said there. I think 
I don't like the net. I like the idea of the quad system and looking at it from a holistic like, perspective. I just don't like – it's hard for me to – and I understand there has to be a cutoff. Yeah. Like, there has to be a line. But really, like, why are we looking at Team 74 or 75 being Cincinnati right now? So, yeah. let's say K-State goes on the road and loses at Cincinnati. Okay, quad one loss. Okay, but then they go and lose at Oklahoma the next night. All right, that's quad two loss. Like, I get there has yeah. to be a, a line. Yeah, there, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, there has to be a line. I, I don't know. I just don't – I don't like the net. I don't like the quad system a ton. Yeah. I don't hate it, but it's like – it's not also, it's not perfect, and there's not a perfect system. Um, and yeah. I think that's what I personally like about what the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee does is they – like, they have their own ranking system within net, but it doesn't seem like they rely on it. Like, they don't it, – it's not – they don't behave like this is the only way we rank teams, if that makes sense. Like the net yeah. and the team sheets, like they do look at Sagar and they do look at RPI and BPI and they do look at Ken Palm and all the different things in determining uh, how they rank teams and then obviously how they seed teams. Yeah, no, and like I, I agree. It, it, you know, you have to just find a cutoff and, and 75 for a road game, that whatever. Um, like right now, so for my comparison purposes, K State's 18 in the net, um, Marquette is 15. Marquette this year, they're four and five in quad one games. Um, K-State is seven and five. And Marquette's worst loss is a quad three loss to Wisconsin um, earlier in the season. So Wisconsin sucks. That's, that's one of those games. And that was a uh, – let's see. That was a home game for Marquette that they lost to Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the kind of thing that I look at, and you can look and see where other teams kind of sit and, and how to, to evaluate – um let's see some of the others now where you can you can make the argument to me that the net is flawed in some ways is the fact that florida atlantic is 20th i get that they're 22 and 2 but come on uh what are we talking about there so i don't know just uh just things to kind of watch and, and monitor um like a similar team right now would be for, like for you like you've got illinois they're 22 in the net um their worst loss is at home to penn state um that's you know that's a quad two loss for them uh in conference play and you know that should make sense like if you lose to a team that isn't as good at home then you should get deemed for it harder than if you lose a road game like for k-state they went on the road to lubbock against a team that is average um it's a little bit tougher than a home game against penn state also i would throw into this mix because as i look at this like i think this is another thing that should be taken into consideration if Illinois' worst loss came on December 10th against Penn State at home. Like, the NCAA should weigh that far less than what they are for, um, like, for example, if K-State were to lose to Oklahoma in, at the start of March, that's a worse loss than the Penn State one, even if Penn State and Oklahoma end up being pretty similar in the net. Like, I, that's where we have to trust that common sense can take over in the selection committee room. Um, and that's not me trying to pick on K-State here and, and, and make you feel better about Illinois. But that's just a general it's comment. Like very good about my alma mater's team. Like that's why that's why I don't think K State should be deemed for that loss to Butler too hard because everything yeah. that's come after that has suggested that they're a much better team than that. And so if K State's worst loss came in December or at the end of November after they hadn't you know been in Manhattan for two three weeks or whatever, uh, then I don't think that they should be punished too much on how that worked out. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, speaking of Oklahoma, one final time. Uh, do you have a prediction for how tomorrow's game ends up playing out? Yeah, I think K-State gets back to 
um, the winning column, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be uber comfortable. Yeah. Um, I do think it's going to be a close game. Uh, we'll say K-State wins, I don't know, um, 73 to 64. Yeah. But that, I might change it when I write it. That sounds That sounds about right to me, probably in that neighborhood. Like I said, to me, encouraging progress is being a little bit more efficient, cut the turnovers down, get a, a solid game from Noel and Johnson um, in all categories, have somebody else step up, and just keep Oklahoma at arm's length the entire time. You know, I, I'm okay if we're sitting there and there's two and a half minutes left and it's uncomfortable, um, but if you've been able to kind of keep them away most of the game, that's totally fine. Similar to the game against TCU for K-State, where TCU was around for quite a bit. They were able to make it uncomfortable there uh, in like the last six minutes or whatever. And then K-State was able to finish them off. Now, I don't expect K-State to finish all teams off like that. Uh, but I think that's what you're looking for tomorrow night. Progress that can set K-State up for a really important game against Iowa State. Bramlage is going to be packed on Saturday. It's the last Saturday home game of the year for K-State. Uh, the cheapest uh, secondary site ticket right now, uh, according to whichever site ESPN is showing their tickets through now, is $299. So, it's an expensive ticket this weekend. I, I made that same face when somebody said it about, uh, I, if you're looking for tickets, I hope you got it already. And I said in the group with a bunch of guys, I was like, oh, look, I, I, I love the school that I graduated from, and I, I love going to games, but you're on crack if you pay $300 to go to a K-State, Iowa State basketball game. Like, just, you know, why? You know, save it for another game. Save it for whatever. I, I think for $300, you could buy, like, an – all session pass to the Big 12 tournament this year. Do that instead. Don't don't waste your bullet on an Iowa State game. You like, might be able to buy like a Sweet 16 ticket for that much money. But hey, I what Final Four tickets? I don't know. Final Four tickets you can get for like two dollars for the national championship when it's in a 100,000 seat stadium and nobody wants to go to the game anymore. But yeah, uh, there you go. That's not to be a shot anybody. If you bought a ticket, I applaud you for doing that. But my dad was a very uh, he's very cheap in that. We we would only go to a couple games every year. We were in the nosebleeds a lot, uh, and I've I've kept up with that tradition where I just go. I'm not paying that much to go to that game. Like I've paid, uh, let's see, 2019 season, K State won the Big 12. I Mitch Fortner and I we bought 100 tickets to go to the game in Allen Fieldhouse, and I even after doing that, I was like. Am I an idiot? And I and I was because I knew K State was going to lose that game, and I still wasted a hundred dollars. But you know, you do what you do. So if that's what you do, and it's three hundred dollars tickets to watch K State play Iowa State, I'm proud of you. You should be applauded for loving the Cats that much and supporting them. But just know it's kind of crazy too to do that. Like save it, save your bullet for something else. Unless you got the money to just throw it all over the place, you know. Like if you're, I don't know, Travis Kelsey, show up on Saturday, Travis Kelsey, and make the K State fans happy again. So they don't hate you for going to Lawrence. There you go. I can't imagine they have too much hate in their heart for Travis Kelsey. No, they're probably over it by now. He probably did a couple things uh, last night. Oh, real quick. Uh, last thing I, I want to add here. Uh, thoughts on the Super Bowl real quick. Uh, I want people to stop their complaining about the James Bradbury penalty that got thrown there at the end. Again, I'm not a Chiefs fan. Um, I am a Cowboys fan, so maybe this seems biased because I, I don't like the Eagles. Um, and I think philadelphia all their people are, are pretty disgusting and terrible you mean Aside like booing from, you mean like booing someone who's accepting an award for charity yeah, work yeah that was classless by those chiefs fans in attendance yesterday sure what you did there <laughs> yeah i know i know it was the eagles fans guys don't worry 
Uh, it's so stupid to make that argument. And this comes from me, Mr. You know, somebody, some have called me like a, a referee hater on social media, mainly the refereeing community. I stand up for you last night because guess what? If it's a penalty, the first play of the game, it's a penalty, the last play of the game. That, that being said, can you admit and, that Duke got shafted? Oh uh, yeah, they did. They did. No, Cause they you did. wouldn't do it in our text thread. And that really bothered oh, no, me. No, 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 you missed it. I, I went back and said, I saw another angle and not only did he get hit like on the hand up top, which they say came after the buzzer sounded, but he also got hit in the body. It should have been a foul. Duke, it wasn't Duke even got close. Screwed. He got assaulted. Um, but I appreciate the fact that the refs threw that flag and they stuck with it because not only did James Bradbury try to hold him once, he did it a second time, and it's a penalty. And I don't care if you thought it would have been caught or not. It was a penalty. And he said after he did it. So No, I, I, I think I think, game. Yeah, I, I held it. Yeah, I, I, I know. Twice. And guess what? I, I'm proud of the refs for doing it. It was a penalty. Shut up. And I don't like the argument, oh, you can't call that in a moment like that. Yes, you can. If it's a foul, it's a foul. If it's a penalty, it's a penalty. Make the damn call. That being said, it was a real dud of a way to end a pretty entertaining game. I don't know. I mean, the Chiefs were going to kick a field goal anyways, so. Well, I, not necessarily. Other than the fact that they got well, to, they would have kicked a field goal, but, yeah, the, but the Eagles, Eagles would have gotten about a, a, minute, a, chance, but, a minute left to go down yeah. the field and get into field goal range. And look, maybe I feel this passionately because uh, I was somebody that held a ticket that said Eagles up at halftime, Chiefs win in regulation. So I didn't need overtime. For, Just saying, uh, at the end of the, at the end of, um, at the end of the day, I'm not a Chiefs fan. I have my brother-in-law is a Chiefs fan. Obviously, I have met a lot of people out here who are Chiefs fans. Gabe yeah. is a Chiefs fan. Uh, I am happy for all of you who are Chiefs fans that um, you got to win another Super Bowl and enjoy your golden era while it lasts for another like 10 years because you have Patrick Mahomes and it's never going to not be a thing as long as you have Patrick Mahomes, I think. Yeah. So continue to enjoy it. Congrats on the Super Bowl. Um, and now let's focus on America's second best sport behind college football, college basketball. There you go. Some would argue it's the best sport in America. It is not. It is college football. But it's a close second. I I I I told you I think early in the season uh, when we first met in September that uh, I'm more of a college basketball guy. I enjoy college basketball games much more. If you gave me the option, you can go to a football game or a basketball game. I'm going to a college basketball game over it. Um, it's just. Can I ask it to you this way? Yeah. Put yourself in the seat. You're 100 neutral. All right. Mm-hmm. You have no like rooting interest. Or maybe maybe I'll put it to you this way. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it. You have yeah. a long lost friend who is from France, yeah. Who wants to experience the most crazy American sporting event that you can possibly take him to because he's a big soccer fan in Europe. Yeah, and you're like, hey, like, I, I, I get that. Like, we, we probably can't completely match your soccerness. And look, in, I, in, that's a. I'm Europe? telling you, it's a personal preference. I know what you're. Yeah, going I, know, to ask. I get it. I get it. You, you take him to a college you, football what, game. What, 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 what event would you take him to? You take into a college like it, football game. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. What's yeah. where what school? I don't know. I mean, I, I think you could take them um you could take them to like some schools, like in the Big Twelve even, and, and get like an idea of what it is. But like, like the, the answer is you have to take them to like an SEC school where the like only Kansas, thing that right? they have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh here you go. Here are some porta potties, and here is uh, here's a half empty stadium. Uh, whoa, whoa. I think um, I think the right answer is LSU for a night game at Death Valley, right? Yeah, that's what I think. That's what a lot of people would say. Um, I think that's I think that's on the mark. But I also think that there's a part of it, like um, I don't know. I, I would take him even even deeper into it. I, I think taking him somewhere like 
uh, Ole Miss or even like Mississippi State. Like I just think it's different even in like those even more like smaller communities type deals because like even though and I'm I'm probably wrong on my assumption on this, but like you know in in Louisiana like they still have the Saints and the Saints are a pretty big deal and I get that like Baton Rouge isn't like in New Orleans or whatever, but they still have like other stuff going on down there. I think you have to go to a place where that's all you have, or like, like Knoxville. Or Knoxville Bama. would be a good one, or yeah, oh, Knoxville. Well, call. well, Bama. They don't go to games anymore because they're too good. So that's Saban gets pissed about that every year. So I would go Knoxville. That's that's the one that I would end up going with. Yeah, Even I would have like, loved to have been in Knoxville for the game against Alabama this year. Yeah, I, I think that's that the one because so, because so they fun. have they have like the best of both worlds going on. It's the SEC. They care a ton about football. They've been star for success so long now. So you need. Something like that. I, I think that's the answer. But uh, we'll we'll wrap this up. Get out of here under an hour. A tight one today. We'll be back on Wednesday with another podcast. Uh, stay tuned. Preview for the Oklahoma K State basketball game this evening up on email online. Full coverage tomorrow of the Cats and the Sooners. Eight o'clock tip. ESPNU. Uh, K State needs to have it to get back on track and set themselves up for a really difficult stretch coming up with Iowa State at home, Baylor at home, and at Oklahoma. Or no, not. Yeah, at Oklahoma State, right, is my math. Yeah, that'd be right. We're going to – month is flying by. The month is flying by. The months are flying by. Uh, because if you haven't I'll, – I'll announce this here just so uh, everybody is aware and in tune. Uh, if you haven't seen my social media, yes, I will be uh, welcoming a child into this world in August, Woo! everybody. So uh, the, the months are zooming by right now. So there you have it. I got that news dumped out of the way. And K-State basketball is our only focus moving forward. K-State baseball does uh, start this week, though. Um, I look forward to following along with the Batcats until they lose a bunch of games that I look at the team they play and go, I don't know that you should have lost that game. And I punish a team that's playing baseball in Kansas in February uh, for early season losses when you probably shouldn't do that. So there you go. I'm just like the rest of you. Uh, and we'll uh, have plenty of coverage for you on EMA online following K-State football, basketball, whatever else comes our way. That'll do it for Alec and I. And we'll see you Wednesday.